this is the Aesop Guy. We are on a journey to an Aesop and beyond. We are in our fifth season of the podcast, and the podcast really has been really designed as a as a resource to help companies really understand employee stock ownership plans and this the, the full breadth of that and what that means. We've gone through a lot of the pre-ESOP conversations. We've gone through a lot of the post-ESOP conversations, what happens before, what happens after. Uh, today, we have the opportunity to interview the CEO of EOS, and his name is Mark O'Donnell. And with that, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate the time that you're spending here with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. My Great. pleasure. Great. So as we start off, Mark, um, I guess the first question would be kind of what is your favorite movie like, and why? And it could be any movie any at any time of history. Yeah, so my favorite movie is Saving Private Ryan. Oh, okay. Cool. It, uh, and so here, here's the reason why. Uh, the first time I had a conversation about that movie was with my grandmother. And uh, I think I was probably... Uh, 20 years old, 19, 20 years old when, when that movie came out. And I was telling her about the movie and I didn't know this, but uh, one of her brothers had uh, died on in uh, on the beach in, in Normandy and the other one at Pearl Harbor. And we, I didn't even know she had those two brothers. So it, it came out as, oh, I mean, this is a, an important event for her and for my family history. So that was uh, a impactful conversation that I was able to to have with her. Uh, And we never really talked about it again. And the the second reason is you you have this group of people doing seemingly impossible things. I mean, that opening scene is like, how in the world could anyone survive that? Sure, yeah. And it just shows the power of team, the power of a common mission. And if you have those things, you can do pretty much anything. I love that. I think that makes tons of sense. I remember watching it for the first time. And it's like that, like you said, the opening scene is just so gripping. And you're like, you're, you know, you're probably going to get shot, right? You're, you know, and I think for people in our maybe age group that we didn't have to go to war. But I think one of the things I like about that movie too, is that it shows people the cost of our freedom and what, what people have, have done in our country to, to, you know, give their lives up for our freedom and, and go there, go to places that are just unbelievable. But, and, and of course it's just very well made too. Right. So from a is, historical, yeah. historical perspective. So, well, thanks so much for, for joining us. Um, I think that a good place for us to start, because I think there are some people that understand what EOS is, and there's definitely some people that don't, or maybe they're in the middle of thinking about EOS as a possible solution to kind of help build some, some strength in the value, and there's specific ways EOS does that. Can you give us kind of a, like, if somebody's brand new to EOS, like, well, how would you describe what EOS is? Yeah. So I'm going to start with the kind of the, basic, basic of the first principles of EOS. And that is simply that is a system for managing human energy to get all the people in your organization rowing in the same direction towards a common goal. Probably part of the reason why Saving Private Ryan is one of my my favorite movies. And so EOS is a complete system. It helps you do three things we call vision, traction, and healthy. 
So vision is getting the leadership team, starting with the leadership team, 100% on the same page with the vision, where they're going and how they're going to get there. Traction is all about creating discipline and accountability to execute on every aspect of that vision. And finally, healthy is creating really healthy, cohesive, and functional leadership teams first. Because as goes the leadership team, so goes the rest of the organization. And we just get to the point where if you got 50, you got 100, you got 200 people in your business, we're 50 out of 50. They're seeing the same thing. They're wanting the same thing. They're just crushing it. They're masters of execution, making that vision a reality. And then moving forward as a really healthy, cohesive, fun-loving team, uh, just providing that value to the world and to themselves. Mm-hmm. I think mean, that's a great... It's a great definition. I think that um, one of the things that companies struggle with, in that one thing, I, one thing I like. Let me back up. Like when I first came to EOS, I was the CEO at, CEO of our firm, and we were in this CEO roundtable meeting every month, and and we all decided to use EOS. Like that became like the, our communication, how we're going to actually communicate and be accountable to one another as CEOs. And what I saw in my own company, and I, what I saw in these other companies, is just the struggle to communicate what actually the CEO wants to accomplish and then not only communicate it, but then execute that. Like, and I've read so many business books in my career. Like I have an MBA and I've read like, you know, all kinds of business books and with a business book, you know, kind of gets you a little bit like, Oh, that's a great idea. Right. It's a great idea. But how do I implement that? You know? And I, I think what EOS did with the traction book was like, it just made something so accessible to, an audience of people that were hungry for like, okay, we want, we want this thing to grow and we have a hard time with these certain things. But so they have these tools in place that really do help. I think specifically with things that are um, difficult and challenging. So that's kind of what I noticed in terms of kind of taking what you just described and saying, that's practically real. And, and I've seen it in my own company where it's absolutely helped from accountability, you know, to also leveraging like a, a meeting, like level 10, like, and I remember watching Gina Wickham for the first time on YouTube and he's like doing this thing, you know, and I'm like, oh, wow, that, that makes sense. And I remember introducing that to my team and they're like, what? A 90 minute meeting. Are you kidding me? We're, we're so Sounds busy. Like torture. Yeah. We're so busy already, you know, um, talk, talk a bit about the tools for EOS and, and yeah. the challenges to implement those. Cause I think that's kind of always, that was kind of something we struggled with as well. Yeah, and just to piggyback off what you're saying earlier, when I first read Traction, uh, I was implementing another system, or at least trying to, and I had a coach and everything else, and it was very complicated, and we were still, I was uh, definitely a flavor of the month, I'd read the book, I'd go to my peer group, we'd get a new book, new concept, and it became sort of this whiplash type uh, way of thinking that I was trying to get everyone on the same page with my vision and get it, make it a reality, right? So when I read Traction, it, it was my first instinct. And I come from pharma and biotech, we use a lot of, as an engineer, and uh, we use a lot of templates. I'm like, oh, this is like every business book I've ever read with templates. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I understand templates, I understand how, how to do this now. It became very implementable. Mm-hmm. And that's like the, when people are always shocked when they read Traction is that these concepts have been around for hundreds of years. They're going to be around for a thousand more because Gino uh, in his genius is just very good at pulling out all the first principles of a concept. 
And so everything that we do is very, very simple. Mm -hmm. And a lot of systems, they fail because when you have a client issue, you have something going on in your business, you travel, right? Like diet and exercise, you go, go on a little trip and you come back and you forgot how to work out and, and eat well, <laughs> it just gets good, you know? Yeah. And so EOS is designed so that you can execute it while you're sick in bed with the flu mm-hmm. because it's just basic, simple, first principle stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to make sure that everyone understands that this isn't complicated. It, it's, it requires discipline and focus, but it's not complicated stuff. You can execute on these tools while you're sick in bed with the flu on vacation, um, out for five weeks, you can execute these tools. And so when I talk about the tools, it, EOS is, is three things. It is a model, it is a process, and it is a toolbox. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start with the model. Mm-hmm. And Gino spent thousands of hours with clients before Traction even saw the light of day in 2007 thousands of hours testing the tools, pulling the levers, finding what worked. And so he's cycled through thousands and thousands of tools to get down to 20 tools in a toolbox. And so the model we call the six key components starts with vision, getting you, your leadership team, hundred percent on the same page with that vision. You do that by answering eight questions and then getting it shared by all. We use a tool called the VTO, the vision traction organizer to do that. And so we're striving to get 80% or better in that vision component. Next is people, right? People, right seats, not a unique or foreign concept, but every business is unique and different. We use our core values from our VTO and we use a tool called the people analyzer and the accountability chart to make sure that we have all the right people who share your core values and they're in the right seat where they get it, want it, have the capacity to do their job really, really well. Uh, and we define those roles. Next is data. That's simply having a scorecard and everyone having a number in the business that they're accountable to deliver to the business every week. And that's tied to the accountability chart and what it is that they're accountable for. And so we're, again, striving 80% or better. Perfection, you never get there, but 80%, that's that's most of the battle. And uh, from there, then we have the issues component, which is creating this open, honest, transparent, lucid organization where issues rise to the top, you identify them, and then use a process we call IDS to identify the root cause of that issue, discuss the potential solutions, and solve it at the root so it goes away forever and never comes back. Starts with the leadership team. We want, if you've got 200 people, all 200 out of 200 people are solving issues at the root so they they never come back as opposed to solving symptoms where you end up just playing whack-a-mole all day. Mm-hmm. Next is process, documenting your handful of core processes, get them followed by all. And so you're creating this consistent customer experience. It's scalable, it's efficient, and just uh, really produces great results for an organization. And then finally is traction, which is, as you mentioned, the level 10 meeting. It's meetings and ROPs. So weekly meetings, quarterly meetings, annual meeting. Uh, with the leadership team and throughout the organization. And every person in the business has at least one to three rocks, which are 90-day goals that they're accountable for quarter after quarter after quarter. So that's the model. The process is how we implement the tools that holistically strengthen the six key components. And so there's a very specific process. 
It takes most clients 18 to 24 months to implement all the tools where they start seeing this huge, this flywheel start to spin. People are accountable, people are executing, all that human energy going in one direction. And then the last is the toolbox. There's 20 tools in our toolbox. We have some supplemental tools, but those 20 have been carefully, meticulously chosen to produce the most results in the least amount of time. So 2080 roll all over the place with, hey, this is the 20% that produces the 80% consistently, repeatably, over and over again. And so that's, that's the quick yeah. overview of what EOS is. Now, perfect. I think it's super comprehensive too because there's so much to the program. I mean, you know, to be able to bite-size that in, in such a way. And I think, you know, I want to I connect the dots between EOS and ESOP you know, and because this is, of course, the NISOP podcast, um, underlying all of this, you know, for us to think about, you know, is that companies, one of the things that company is, is doing in a sense is strengthening their overall business valuation. So whatever, whatever they actually are, sometimes companies don't measure that. They measure, you know, other things when their KPIs, they measure, of course, how much income they make every year. They measure maybe revenue, top line revenue or growth in revenue. Um, there's a lot of different KPIs. I find that some don't get to that point of actually measuring an, you know, annual valuation. Um, like, so for instance, what is the, the impact of um, EOS on the company when it comes to um, valuation? Because we're going to connect that to the ESOP in a sense, but also to other opportunities. How often do you see companies actually measuring their valuation as a, key, as a KPI? ESOPs definitely do. The A um, little bit about my background. I started in, like I said, in pharma and biotech. I ran, I had nine companies when I started to implement EOS in my own businesses, eventually wow. sold them uh, to, to former business partners and private equity group and became an implementer. I worked with 100 companies myself, 500 sessions in, in total. I uh, was a coach, then head coach before uh, stepping into my my role today and just thinking about my own experience is that probably the only companies that measured value market value were ESOPs mm-hmm. I can't think of a single company that I worked with well they would mention that hey we want to hit a certain value we want to exit and certainly plenty of uh, the companies that I, I worked with did exit and a few of them started EOS for the purpose of they didn't like their offer and we needed to increase the value. Um, two, two come to mind. Uh, one was a company that it was a physical therapy business. They had an offer um, and it was almost half of what it is that they wanted. Mm-hmm. And so the, the person who made the, the offer, the equity group that made the offer just said, hey, look, if you have some consistent processes in place, if you have people that can run this business at that, and, and instead of it being so reliant upon, in this case, the doctors that were the founders, the owners, we're going to offer you more. So they started out at six times. They ended up selling at 13 times wow. Wow. in just nine months. Wow. Uh, just huge, huge difference because they really just focused in on strengthening those six key components. The two biggest for them was that people component, 
right people, right seats, having a hiring mechanism that can consistently bring people in, lowered turnover. They were able to delegate and elevate their way out of actually uh, two, there's four partners, uh, two of them didn't see patients any longer. The rest just actually gave up all the business stuff and only wanted to see patients. And so that worked out very well for them both personally, uh, along with the, the value. And in that process piece, they didn't have a clear, consistent way to bring in new business to the organization. They didn't have clear processes. Basically, every patient that came in was like the first patient they ever saw ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and so they had to create that consistent, cohesive customer experience that drove business, served them well, well, you know, actually got collected payment because that was an issue too. <laughs> yep, yeah. Uh, and so they did that in nine months. They just focused down and took off. Um, and they were not an ESOP. I had another client who uh, was an ESOP and they increased their value by about 30% valuation year after year uh, running EOS and really the same concepts. I mean, they, they d- didn't do anything special. They got rid of bad businesses because they used one of the tools we use is a, a core focus, which is your purpose and your niche, and used that as a filtering mechanism for new businesses that they were trying out that didn't work. They got rid of the bad businesses. They got rid of the customers that were not inside of their marketing strategy. We call that the dirty dozen. <laughs> Take the bottom, you know, twelve of your uh, clients and and. Uh, give them to the competition. Uh, <laughs> okay. And so that those are the types of things that they did that just drove value um, along with just simply implementing EOS. Um, and of course, there's one that didn't work, which we can talk about. So, yeah, and then I'm, I'm going to get there too. I'm gonna, what I want to do too is just connect the dots. And we kind of have to understand like the ESOP process for companies as we go through this because what I noticed, like our ESOP process starts with a valuation model and it's not a report. I mean, and valuation reports are difficult because people tend, if I ask people like, what's your business valuation? You know, they might say, Hey, it's, it's six times multiple of EBITDA, which everybody kind of understands. But my next question is going to be like, well, how did you get to six times or how did you get to 13? Right. But so there's a lot of misunderstanding in just business wise. Like people don't really understand the connectivity between um, an income approach value versus say a market approach value. ESOPs are going to lean toward income approach values, which basically just says cash flow of the business, normalized cash flow and the risk of the business, which is basically built into a, a model that says these are your risk premiums for your industry. All of those stack up to a weighted average cost of capital that's applied in a discount rate to forecasted cash flow. And, and so in a sense, you, you know, there is a there is a value at the front end. And when we start a company through the ESOP process of establishing, you know, what the actual valuation is in that model, because some of it's going to depend on their ability to um, obviously increase EBITDA. But what you're getting into, too, is the other elements of that of that uh, weighted average cost of capital, which is the processes of the company will directly mitigate risk. And if I can reduce risk in my, in my cap rate, my weighted average cost of capital, then I can actually increase the value. So if I have cash flow, the same cash flow for each company, but the risk of that cash flow is lower, then my valuation is going to be higher. And so it's kind of the, if you invert that, that's where the multiple comes from. 
So with a lot of brand new companies, and this is kind of what I wanted to, to stress, and you, you you did a good job of explaining the EOS process, because I see some companies jump into EOS in the middle of doing an ESOP, and you're kind of better off just doing, if it's 18 to 24 months, implement EOS as you go through the initial planning phase for if it is going to be an ESOP, um, because then you can kind of really understand the impact of the, the valuation model before when you start, and then as you get into it, because the model is going to incorporate all of those elements uh, that uh, Mark was talking about, which I think are really valuable to understand. Um, when you, you know, one of the things I was going to say about the ESOP thing, connecting to EOS, one of the things I noticed with companies that do ESOPs as EOS, like they've spent all this, this um, energy implementing, you know, the EOS model. And what happens in my opinion is you get, you get through all that, the company's doing so well, um, but then you sell it for the higher, maybe you just sell it for the higher multiple and that's the goal. But one of the values of an ESOP is you can keep going with what you're doing. I mean, you've, you've built the EOS, you've used EOS to build the company up. Great people, right? You want them to get rewarded. You've got great processes. You want that just to keep going. And, and unfortunately, I think with the financial world, the strategic buyers, they're going to probably just change things, you know? And, and I think that's the, that's one of the links I wanted to make. So you know, I know you've had a lot of experience with EOS and, and we talked about like just some ESOP you know, experiences. How have you seen that with, with the EOS companies existing, seeing that as an opportunity for them? Companies that are running on EOS that are looking for an exit, you know, your entrepreneurial founder, you're looking for, you know, the, the, the exit uh, to do whatever else you want to do with your life. One of the things that we see happening quite often is you've used the tools, you've used your core values to hire, fire, review, reward, recognize all your people. And so you've built this culture and you've built it intentionally. You love it, you love all the people in it. And so what ends up happening as far as we see is it really limits the field of who that next buyer is because you love these people. Mm -hmm. You love what you do, you love your customers. And the idea that you're going to hand it off to a strategic who's probably going to come in and blow it up is not very attractive. No. Then you then you say, okay, well, what about a financial buyer? And that too can be destructive mm -hmm. to the organization, to those people, that culture that you've built. And so you got to be really careful about who that buyer is. And what we see is that because of all that, the idea of an ESOP becomes more and more and more attractive because it's a little bit like cake and eat it too. I can get the exit that I want or maybe need, and I can protect these people forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and be, it just becomes be, uh, just a, a really great marriage. And we could be tax free. Like one of the things I love yeah, about doing ESOP, I mean, we don't pay any taxes. Like, and so all that yeah. capital gets created to pay debt off and then we can accumulate that to reinvest into more in, you know, whether it's acquisitions or whatever and grow and grow the reward for everybody else down the road. So it's, um, and those things are super compelling. And, and most of the time, I think the main barrier for ESOPs is people just don't understand them enough. And that's kind of the, the mission here with the podcast is just to be able to connect the dots. And I can tell you, like, it's not for everybody. I know that. Like, there are people, and there's nothing wrong with trying to get the highest multiple. 
Um, it's your company. It's like your your house or your car or whatever. I mean, it's yours. But at the same time, if you do and you do build these systems with these people, they're almost like your family. And you just want them to have the best possible life that they can have and protect the legacy of, of the core values and the culture and the um, you know, the mission, even, even related to your customers. Like what you've delivered to your customers, you don't want to see that change because most companies that really succeed care greatly about their customer and the perception that their customers have. So so that's why I think ESOP is such a more holistic approach to doing a lot of things like with exit and succession and, and growth and those kind of things. Yeah, I think it's just a great, great option. Obviously, there's other ways to give equity to people, but our purpose here, speaking of our core focus here at EOS Worldwide, is to help entrepreneurs live their EOS life. And we say helping entrepreneurs because typically that's kind of where it starts. Then it goes to the integrator. If you have one, hopefully you do. Then the leadership team and then every single person throughout that business. And so I'm clear, EOS life is five things. It is doing what you love with people you love, making a huge difference, making an impact in the world, putting a dent in the universe, being compensated appropriately, and having time to pursue other passions. Those five things, that's what we're here to do, to help entrepreneurs do that so they can help their, their people do the same. And I, I think that ESOP is just a great way as a platform to help people in your business live their EOS life. I love that. I mean, actually, that speaks so heavily to the people that I've helped do ESOPs. Like, that's exactly when we get into the... The whole process, we close the deal, and then after the deal's done, um, they are experiencing something that, I mean, I, I think for some of them, it's like they don't even know what to do after they sell the company. I mean, you know, you, you obviously have a, like this EOS role in, in life, which is great, but they don't know what to do. And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to go to the office anymore. You know, or I'm not going to, they don't necessarily want the ownership anymore, but they don't know what they're going to do with their time. And, the, you know, they have all this year, these 30 years of, of experience that just goes where, right? And so it's it's really a beautiful thing to connect that into and the flexibility of an ESOP because they could just, you know, keep energizing from a different perspective or a different role. Um, yeah. So I love that. One of the things I, I love about EO, EOS, and it's kind of the first time ever I really thought and understood this is the role between visionary and the integrator and the, you know, and you can see this with small closely held companies where you have this just brilliant strategic person who can see the future and know like that, but they're, they're not great at like getting it all done. Right. Cause they have just a tremendous amount of ideas, but then they finally find that person that can do it. But what EOS does is communicates like that's really a good role. And then the other role is really good. Like they fit together perfectly. And so talk about that a little bit. Cause that was like one of the things that just a light bulb for me when I first started looking at that, I'm like, you know, um, and I started seeing it now that I knew and how to say it. Like I started seeing it in like clients, like, Oh, you're that you're, you are the visionary, right? How, yeah. you know, that's just like, like a light bulb. So talk about that a little bit. Cause I think that's one of the, one of the main things I've seen about EOS. Sure. Uh, so that uh, it's been part of our system forever. Uh, it was written about in, in traction. And just to give you a little bit of history of how this, this happened, the, I think it's 1964, 
1969, Harvard Business Review introduced this role of integrator. It's the first time that we can find that it's ever been talked about. And it, uh, oddly enough, Gino never read that article. He didn't uh, think about it. It just, just so happened that he heard it from Michael Gerber of E-Myth uh, on an audio cassette. Mm. And he's like, it described this integrator as the, the person who is keeping the trains running on time. And they're harmoniously orchestrating the ins and outs of the business. They're the glue that holds everybody together, keeps it all moving in a consistent way. And he realized that he was the integrator. So he was working uh, for his dad or with his, his dad, uh, Floyd, in a real estate sales training business. And he was the integrator. His dad was the visionary. He was the integrator. Um, and that's sort of, sort of how he started cobbled, cobbling together these, these tools. And so fast forward, um, he writes Traction, and he starts seeing this pattern over and over and over again. And just like on this podcast, you introduced me as the, the CEO of EOS uh, Worldwide, and I, and I am. However, that's my outside title. <laughs> my inside title is Visionary. And I have my wonderful integrator, Kelly Knight, cool. uh, who is my puzzle piece. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Gino talks about, and in, in, in so do I, which is a visionary is really not a CEO um, as like the Fortune 500, because they're doing both roles, really. Yeah. They're managing the leadership team. They're, you know, very disciplined, typically. And even, you know, people out in the world, and you think about like Elon Musk as an example. Mm-hmm. He's really a visionary. He's not a CEO, even though he has the title. He has at SpaceX, he has Gwen Stromwell. Um, and he has that number two person in the businesses that he runs that, you know, keep the, the trains rolling. Um, Henry Ford had uh, cousins, I believe it was. Um, you know, you have uh, Ray Kroc. Um, Donald's. Yeah, Donald's. You know, there's always these one and twos. Um, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, you know, you go throughout history and you see these VI duos, visionary integrator duos, where you have the visionary strategic head in the clouds type person, and then you have the very nuts and bolts, get it done, execute it type person. And so what we're teaching the world is that it takes two. Mm -hmm. It takes that visionary, typically the founder, they got to find their puzzle piece. They got to find their integrator who is going to manage. Visionaries are usually great leaders, not particularly great managers with all the little details. They need that number two to make it up, make it real. And then the leadership teams make it reoccur over and over again. And so that it, it is unique to us. And it's really just an acknowledgement mm-hmm. that most founders, most entrepreneurs are visionaries. They're not integrators. And hence, they're not really CEOs, even though that's what we put on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. What's what's valuable about that for people that finally realize that, because I think there's a struggle kind of in the beginning where they don't really know how to even put that to words, is, is one of the things we do in the journey to an ESOP process is like trying to identify the succession plan. Like, what is it? And, and this, I think, is one of the most important dynamics of a succession plan. I mean... You know, we start getting down into the ranks. I mean, of course, that's going to be important, but, you know, delineating between the visionary and the integrator. And, and it may be that you have, like, most of the time you have a very good visionary because they wouldn't have gotten where, but they don't have the integrator. And it's either like, let's succession plan, like, let's bring somebody up that can, or let's go out and recruit them. Um, and if you have those two pieces in place, 
there's a very natural transition to ESOP that can maximize the value because I don't necessarily even need the visionary, you know, in the weeds anymore, right? They can be in an ESOP. They'll be on the board of directors. Like an ESOP is governed by a board of directors. Um, Of course, the visionary integrator are going to be there. And then everything else can kind of follow suit. I think when you get those two pieces together in succession planning, um, everything else kind of works because you have the right fit in leadership. And then people now underneath can know, like we have confidence where we're going, that we're going to get this done. And then that's where right people, right seats start to fit together. Like, you know, have, instead of going bottom up, you know, you kind of go top down a little bit and make sure that that's, that's put together correctly. So I love that. And I think it's important because you guys have nailed it down. I think it's important for people to know and, and start putting that together now, you know, in terms of their business mm-hmm. models. And, and that concept, uh, Gino Wickman and Mark Winters wrote the book Rocket Fuel, which is uh, just a deep dive into that that concept. And it's the third book in the Traction Library. Yeah, and I've, yeah, I've read that one too, and it's just like phenomenal. But that's um, you know again bringing more value to the company. It's amazing, honestly, with uh, with that. And that's and let's talk a little bit about EOS. Like it's so popular. Like I, you know. Yeah. I know we have the conference coming up in San Diego and that you said was already foot billed or and it's sold know, out, sold yes. out. Sorry guys. You know, it's, it's have to um, wait till 2025. Have to wait till 2025. Um, I'm, I'm going to get to speak at that conference. So I'm excited to talk about ESOPs directly, but, but because like even last year, I remember looking at that and the year before, why is EOS so popular? Like why, why have you guys, like if you just hit the right, I mean, Gino is brilliant. I know we can all kind of say that, but why is it like, what is happening in the country with this program? Well, I think there's a, a few things. Uh, when Gino built EOS in, uh, I think it was 2007, uh, when it became EOS worldwide, um, uh, and, and the company grew, we had a different model. So we were, kind of always around, but you didn't recognize us mm-hmm. because we were membership model and EOS implementers who are the individuals. Now you can, there's three ways to implement EOS. Maybe I'll start there. Yeah, that's, that's um, you, you can read the book. It is an instruction manual, step-by-step guide. You can implement EOS just using the book traction. The second thing you could do is go to our website. You can uh, subscribe to Basecamp or $500 a month, I think it is at the moment. And you get all the training that an EOS implementer gets, uh, minus just a, a couple of things that help them run their own business. And the third way is to hire an EOS implementer where they meet with you 10 sessions over a two year period. They uh, There's no contracts or anything like that. So it's not a commitment in any way, you just take one day at a time. And they're there to help teach EOS tools and concepts, facilitate the leadership team, making sure everyone's totally on the same page and uh, they're a coach, right? They, they work with 10, 20, 30 other companies. They see the same, the same game that you're playing and they can just help you play the game just a little bit better. And so that's, um, I actually started self-implementing my companies and I was like, oh, it's like Dr. Heal thyself. Can someone else please do this for me? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and of course there, there was someone yeah. to do that. So uh, those implementers uh, had their own brand names. And in 2020, we became a franchise. 
And we used that as an opportunity to consolidate the brand. We, at that point in time, we, we were representative of 738 different brands. Uh, we had two different communities of EOS implementers. Some uh, came and, and met in community and some were just out by themselves. And so the franchise forced us to bring that all together. And so we saw and the market has seen a consolidation of all of those brands under one banner. Mm -hmm. So that obviously created a, a bit of a, a pop. And then we had COVID um, right, right before that, right before we became a franchise. And what we realized and what companies saw is that companies that were running on EOS were more resilient. They survived at a higher rate. They grew in the face of adversity because they kind of realized that they've been training resilience this entire time. Mm. And they knew how to solve issues at the root so they would go away forever. They were more nimble, more innovative than the competitive set. And so you have kind of two things happening at once, consolidation of the brand, COVID, companies seeing the performance of their competitors who are running on EOS do better, make better decisions, grow faster, take advantage. And so I think that we just um, got lucky. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I mean, I think it's just, honestly, not, I don't think there was luck. In my opinion, it was like you guys had a, a very, the tools work. It, it's a successful they program work. because the tools work. And unlike some other programs, like it's hard, it can be very ambiguous. Like how do you do it? And I think everybody's got, if they're you know, a EOS company, like we are, everybody's got their own story. Like, you know, we, we started self-implementing, but then we hired an, um, an implementer. Um, or we kind of did a hybrid or whatever. So I think it's it's just, it works. And I think word of mouth is like, look, this is, you know, business people talk to each other. Like this works for us and they're going golfing and they're telling their friends, like this is actually such a, a phenomenal program. Um, and I think just, just going back to like the, the future of EOS is just like, this is um, helping so many companies get from mediocrity in a sense like they can't figure out what to do to the next level right and that creates more opportunities for you know key people and employees and all that so it's really done a great i think a great thing for our our economy philosophically i've always fundamentally believed that you know middle market companies smaller companies they're the innovators like they're the ones that come in and, and i'm not being like corporate america is terrible but when you think about what a middle market company does is they put something into the marketplace that is creative and unique and if they're and if they, they're going to be rewarded by being you know niche right really kind of supporting something and the, you know what happens is they get gobbled up and then they kind of get it gets kind of like built into a bureaucracy um, and that's one of the reasons I'm an ESOP advisor because I feel like that is what we want to protect. Like in EOS is only kind of what it's done is it given a tool for these companies to move up to the next level and whether, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not always talking about people's exit plans. I mean, it's, we do a lot of partial ESOP. So how do you take what they built, monetize some of the value? So, you know, owners have like 90% of their net worth stuck in the business, right? How do you monetize some of that? Keep it moving. Use the tax breaks. So that combination of an ESOP and EOS in my vision is like, that's just a phenomenal combination because now I can give everybody in the company a stake in the value. 
And if everybody has this ownership thinking and a stake in the value, then we're only they're only going to more embrace the the ideas behind you know the core values, the mission, um, and then really get connected down into beyond salary, right? Because that's you know limited. So so those are kind of things as I think about like the connectivity between the two, and I do believe EOS has a great future in that. Um, of course, where you guys are now, and I think it's only going to become more and more as time goes on. Yeah, we, we, we hope so. We have 800 EOS implementers uh, as we sit here today. Uh, we're working with over 24,000 companies and about 10 times that are using uh, our tools in some way. And so you know, there's just a tremendous amount of adoption. And we are really just passionate about helping those entrepreneurs, again, live their EOS life. And you mentioned entrepreneurs being sort of the lifeblood behind the, the global economy, which I think is exactly right. And we talk a lot about abundance versus scarcity mm-hmm. and uh, innovation and human ingenuity and creativity is what grows the pie, right? I mean, any problem that occurs an entrepreneur given freedom and time mm-hmm. doesn't even really need that much capital, if any, will use their creativity to solve those problems at scale. And so we really need to continue to just support entrepreneurs, all that creativity. That's what creates all abundance in the world. That And, and you're right in that when it gets sucked up into a big, huge corporation that's bureaucratic um, or whatever that might be, all that creativity becomes stifled and there's too many restrictions on that. There's no freedom to move and to operate and to really let your unique uh, capabilities and, and genetic encoding and all the things that yeah. you've been endowed with at birth yeah. come to life and, and you have to be free to do it. Um, and so that that's a good portion of what we're trying to do with EOS is to unlock that abundance in, in the world and get people out of thinking in the scarcity mindset where they're trying to gather up all the resources for themselves because instead of focusing on creating new resources. Yep. Yeah. And that's, and that's the stuff like some people get super fearful, like with AI or new technology, just like they did 20 years ago with computers and stuff. So those are huge opportunities, but I think that the ones that capitalize on those the most are going to be these small, clever, innovative companies that can incorporate and apply you know, the new technologies and the talent level. And I think a lot of the new people that come into the workforce, they are looking for something a little bit more than, you know, clock in, clock out and, you know, mm-hmm. having this, this career, they want to be part of something. And that's where I feel like that, that these two pieces fit together for e- EOS and ESOP. And we are transferring wealth, you know, in abundance into the, the uh, middle class. And you know, for people that are willing to be full-time committed to the, to the, to the company, they're going to get rewarded in those in those scheme of things. So we do transfer that wealth of wealth into the marketplace. And like I said, the IRS gives us this tax break, you know, being a tax-free company. So all of that is just to me is phenomenal. Um, so we're we're pretty much almost completely out of time, but um because I, I could talk to you probably honestly on all day about this. Anything kind yeah. of final wisdom for people, um, whether they're hey, I'm I'm not EOS yet, or I'm thinking about EOS or Anything else that you've seen that might be helpful for people to be thinking about? I think there's a, there's a few things that, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're interested in ESOP in some way, right? Yeah. 
if it's a fit, you should do it. If you're thinking about implementing EOS, you should do it. And I'm not saying that from a self-serving perspective is that it's just that you deserve it. You deserve to have all that human energy in your business pointing in one direction, executing, making your vision a reality. And because if you can do that, they're going to live the life that they want to live. You're going to be able to live the life that you want to live. And you're going to create impact and abundance in the world that wouldn't have existed otherwise. So that's what I would just leave people with. Um, couple couple things on like how you can get in touch with uh, an implementer. Uh, of course, you have Philip for the uh, ESOP. So you can go to eosworldwide.com. Uh, you can, if you're looking for an implementer, you can click there, find an implementer. There's a directory you can search. We have a team that can help find the right implementer for you uh, and with you. Um, and also with that, um, the, every implementer because they've been hand selected to share core values, they're help first people. And so the first is a 90 minute meeting, which you can just sit with your leadership team. They're gonna go through a 90 minute meeting. It's completely and utterly free. It's a help first way. It's a little bit of a workshop. The worst that's gonna happen is you're gonna learn something and you'll come out a little smarter. Uh, and you have no obligation to work with them and, and you know they, they would take you through that. So don't be afraid to just sit with your leadership team, do a 90 minute meeting with them, and learn something on how you can increase the value of your, your organization. So that's the first thing. Uh, second thing is we have a brand new book, uh, the people book, which is dare to build an intentional culture. And, uh, wait, you're the uh, author. I saw your name on it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I am the author along cool. with Kelly Knight, my integrator and CJ Dubay, who's our EOS implementer because we do what we say. Um, and so she's our implementer, a long, long time, uh, friend and expert implementer. Um, and that's really about building those cultures that move the needle, uh, for you, for them and, uh, makes that impact. And so there's some good tools there to build that culture that wins in any environment. Um, what we've noticed just real quick is that there's, we see unemployment really low. I think part of that is just the available pool of people working. And uh, we've done quite a bit of research in this, is that our birth rate, especially in the United States and, and certainly other countries, has been so low for so long that the reason unemployment's really low, the reason that you can't find and recruit the right talent is because they've never been born. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and that's, yeah. I mean, that's so the only thing that you can do as a company is tip the scales in your favor. Hmm. You can create an attraction model that you will have a lineup of people wanting to come work for you because they just see your people and you get this word of mouth. It's really the same as, as US works. Um, so you can pre-order that book on uh, Amazon. Um, it's uh, coming out April 2nd. Um, or maybe the day before the conference. I'm not sure. I'm <laughs> pretty sure it's April 2nd though. Cool. Uh, so That's right before cool. the conference uh, in April, uh, you can uh, get that book and uh, it, it hopefully will help you build that culture, tip the scales in your favor and and solve some recruiting issues for you. Um, I think that's it. Perfect. No, that's great. I didn't even know. Like we, I didn't know you wrote the book, so that's awesome. So please, you know, everybody look at that book. I'm sure it's going to be just phenomenal. Um, but but seriously, thank you, Mark, for spending this time. I think it's super helpful uh, for people that are listening to really understand 
Um, some of the times I just reference EOS, so I don't go into a lot of detail. I just say, hey, you know, if you do EOS, you do this and that. So just having one whole podcast dedicated to helping explain things, I think is very, very helpful for people. So thank you again for your time today. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure. Great. So for everybody else, thanks for listening today. And we will see you on this, on the next step on this journey to the summit.